Today's reading is from Daniel chapter 4 on page 888. Daniel chapter 4, page 888. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and the peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid, and as I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods live in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant. And on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animal flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its root, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision was announced by the messengers. The holy ones declared the verdict. 
so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowest of people. This is the dream that, that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries, the tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the bird. Your Majesty, you are that tree. You have become a great. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him leave with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, my, your majesty. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from people and will leave with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree in its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your, sin, your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the, top, on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your, your royal authority has been taken from you. 
You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because of everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Good morning. Temi, thank you so much for, for reading our passage. Folks, do you know what? You've been, uh, t- this morning's pretty warm. You've been sitting down there for quite a while. And I tell you what, one of the most disheartening things for a preacher is to see people nodding off as you're preaching. So please stand up and have a stretch. Give a couple of people a high five if you want to. If you are stretching, don't elbow anyone in the face. Good. I think we've got the blood, the blood flowing again. Take your seats. Let me, let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Father, thank you for this beautiful day, and thank you that we can hear you speak to us this morning as, um, as your children. Father, give us soft hearts to hear your word. Keep us awake and keep our hearts engaged, and we pray that our hearts would be um, fertile ground for your word. And help me as I preach. We pray your spirit would speak through me. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. Any idea who said those words? The Queen. Yeah. So the Queen said that in her Christmas message 
back in 2014. Now, why am I sharing that quote with you? It's not just because uh, the Platinum Jubilee um, happened recently, as, as wonderful as that was. I share that quote to, to highlight how the Queen, as one of the most famous people on the planet, is not ashamed to, to speak of her faith in Jesus. Indeed, she does so fairly regularly. as She openly speaks of Christ's influence in her life. And when the Queen testifies to Jesus, it's pretty significant, isn't it? Everyone knows who the Queen is. Her words are heard by millions of people, not only here in the UK, but around the world. I think that her testimony is amplified because of who she is, because of her royal status. In our series in Daniel, we've also come across someone who is royalty. But from what we've seen of him so far, I think it's fair to say that he's not quite as likable as Queen Elizabeth. We've, we've seen this king, for example, throw people into a lion's den and into a burning, fiery furnace. But in today's chapter, remarkably, we hear this king testifying to the God of Israel. Indeed, in today's chapter, we find him sharing his story of conversion. Today's chapter is King Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony about how he came to know and worship God. Look at what he says in in verse 2. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Friends, in today's passage, King Nebuchadnezzar is sharing his personal testimony. In these first three verses, he's prefacing what he's about to say. And today's chapter is, this is, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's open week event. Life beyond the monarchy. And he wants his testimony to go far and wide. Did you notice what he says in verse 1? To the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth. Just as the Queen's Christmas message is seen and heard all over the world, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar wants his message to go global. I think we've mentioned this uh, previously in our series, but this part of, of Daniel that we're in, it's the only section in the Old Testament which is not written in Hebrew. So Daniel chapters 2 to 7 are written in Aramaic. Now you might think that that's a, maybe an insignificant detail, but I think it's actually an important detail. So Aramaic was, it was a language that most of the people in the Babylonian Empire would have spoken. It was the lingua franca at the time. The fact that King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony is recorded in Aramaic, well, it reveals that this message is for, is for everyone. It's for everyone in the Babylonian Empire. This, is, this message isn't just for the Israelites. Everyone, the world, needs to hear Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And why is that? Well, I think there are several reasons. But just to give you a few, I think as we learn 
about how God dealt with King Nebuchadnezzar, we'll learn important lessons about who the true God is, what he is like, and why we should all worship him. So let's turn now to to Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And we're going to look at uh, our chapter in three sections. So our first heading is this, God's warning to Nebuchadnezzar. So this is how his testimony begins, God's warning to Nebuchadnezzar. Let's look at verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Nebuchadnezzar has another scary dream. This isn't the first time we've seen him have one, right? He had one back in chapter 2. And just as, he, just as he did back then, he gets the wise men of Babylon to come and interpret it. But just as um, what happened in, in chapter 2, they're unable to. So what does he do? He gets Daniel to come in. So Daniel hears his testimony, uh, which we read about. Sorry, he, he, he hears his dream. In verses 9 to 18, Nebuchadnezzar explains his dream to Daniel. Now, instead of going through to the details of the dream, uh, we're going to fast forward to Daniel's interpretation of the dream. And as we do that, we'll, we'll cover the contents of the dream anyway. So let's pick up from verse 19. As we read, uh, try to spot are the warnings that God is giving to King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You've become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. What does God warn is, is going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar? There are two main things. The first is that his kingdom will be 
taken away from him. Nebuchadnezzar has been the ruler of a mighty kingdom. But his rule is it's coming to an end. The second warning is related. Nebuchadnezzar is going to become like, like an ox. I say it's related because it's, I guess it's hard for you to reign when, when you're behaving like a cow. But did you notice how these things won't be permanent? So halfway through verse 25, Daniel says, Seven times will pass by for you, that is seven years will pass, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. And he continues in verse 26. Now, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's only going to lose his kingdom and behave like an animal temporarily. His sanity and his kingdom will return. They will be given back to him. And did you notice how that's going to happen? When he acknowledges who God is. When he realizes that it is God, not him, who is the true sovereign, the true ruler. Nebuchadnezzar's ego, his pride, is through the roof. I don't know if you noticed during the reading, um, the word heaven or sky gets mentioned quite a bit in our passage. And it occurred to me that actually... um, this sounds a, a bit, a bit like Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. So let me just read just one verse in Genesis 11. You don't need to turn there. I'll read it for you. So Genesis 11:4 says this. Then they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a a what? A city with a tower that reaches where? That reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves." The Tower of Babel was about building a tower that reached to the heavens so that they would have a great name. We see here, when you read the dream, it talks about, um, so chapter 4, verse 20, what does it say? The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the what? The sky, visible to the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's the man. Now, he's just received this pretty scary warning. How would you respond to the revelation that you're going to lose not only your kingdom, but your mind? So Daniel, Daniel, God's servant, what does he suggest to Nebuchadnezzar? He suggests that he repent. We see that in verse 27. He says, renounce your sins. By doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, it may be that then your it may be that then your prosperity will continue. So that's that's Daniel's advice. The question is, will Nebuchadnezzar listen? So we've just been thinking about God's warning to Nebuchadnezzar. We now turn to our second heading, God's humbling of Nebuchadnezzar. Have a look at me at verse 29. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, 
Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Does Nebuchadnezzar show any signs of repentance? (laughs) He says, look at me, I'm so impressive. Look at what I have built by my power for my majesty. Nebuchadnezzar hasn't repented, has he? Twelve whole months have passed since he received God's warning during which he could have repented. Instead, we just find that he's completely ignoring it. Look at what happens as a result. Verse 31. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Friends, this is is quite the humbling, isn't it? Nebuchadnezzar is now behaving and looking like an animal. And let's be honest, it's hard to picture a person behaving like an ox. When we read this chapter, it seems pretty far-fetched. We're like, how how is that possible? Did Nebuchadnezzar really behave like an ox and eat grass? That's so weird. I was intrigued to to discover that there's actually a an extremely rare psychological condition called boanthropy, where the sufferer believes um, that they are a cow or ox and behave accordingly. Here's a description of someone with boanthropy in a mental health institution in the UK back in the 1940s. I did say it's extremely rare. That's why it's from the 1940s. The man in his early 20s, in fine bodily health, but decidedly antisocial, spent whole days from dawn to dusk outdoors on the institutional grounds. He was limited in his ability, in his ability to care for himself, so someone always washed and shaved him. They gave him water from a clean container so that he wouldn't drink from mud puddles. But as he wandered over the grounds, He would pluck up chunks of grass to eat. He never ate institutional cuisine with other inmates. Folks, Nebuchadnezzar's behavior is extremely bizarre. But it's not quite as implausible as we might be tempted to think it is. He really did behave like an animal. That is how God humbled him. Folks, we've, we've considered how God has warned Nebuchadnezzar. 
He's saying, look, God warned me. That's the first part of his testimony. The second part of his testimony, look, God humbled me. And now the third part of his testimony is, God restored me. That's our third point. God's restoring of Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember how our passage revealed that Nebuchadnezzar's restoring would, would happen? So in verse 25, it said, Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and give them to anyone he wishes. And the same thing is mentioned again in verse 32. How is Nebuchadnezzar going to be restored? Again, when he acknowledges that God is God. When he, can, when he acknowledges that it is God who rules. Here's the thing, though. How do you acknowledge God when you've completely lost your mind? When you think and behave like an animal? Have a look at verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. How was, how was Nebuchadnezzar restored? By looking to heaven. Even though this man was behaving and, and and thinking more like an animal than a human, God gave him the ability to look up to, to heaven and to be able to appreciate who God is. But don't ask me the details of that, but that's what he does. It's a simple looking up to heaven. An animal can, can do that, right? And as a result, Nebuchadnezzar gains his sanity. Effectively, and this is really important, effectively, he becomes human again. Folks, do we see what this passage is, is teaching us about what it means to be human? It means to know who God is and to praise Him. When does Nebuchadnezzar come to his senses? when he recognizes that God is sovereign. In verse 35, he says, God does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Not only does Nebuchadnezzar acknowledge God's sovereignty, He praises God precisely because God is sovereign. Have a look at verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Boy, don't you know it, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar here is actually starting to sound 
a bit like an Israelite. Now, Andrew McKenna the other day pointed out to me how um, if you read Deuteronomy 32, um, God is actually described this way, as just and righteous. I think it's in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. And Nebuchadnezzar is starting to sound like, like an Israelite, like a man of God. Now, friends, God could have humbled Nebuchadnezzar a million different ways, right? But he chose to do it by turning him into a beast. Nebuchadnezzar ate grass like an ox. His nails grew so long that they resembled the claws of a bird. And his hair became so unkempt that it looked like the feathers of an eagle. Why did God do this? I think it's because God wants to show us that that when we fail to to acknowledge and praise him as the sovereign ruler, we are behaving less like humans and more like animals. An ox thinks that all there is to life is chewing grass. The, The lush field of grass in front of it is all it sees and all it cares about. An ox isn't, isn't consciously thinking, hmm, look at all this grass. I should praise God for it. <clears throat> Folks, are we just concerned about the things of this world, about our own little kingdoms, about our own fields of grass or our patches of grass? Do we take pride for our, from our accomplishments or possessions without acknowledging that they're a gift from the God who rules. If so, we are behaving more like beasts than as humans. To be truly human is to know God and worship Him like Nebuchadnezzar does in the end. That is what God created us for. We are made to know and and praise Him, the one who rules eternally, the one who does, who only does what is right, And his ways are just. I wonder if you are someone who knows and praises the Most High God. If you aren't, why not follow Daniel's advice to Nebuchadnezzar? Renounce your sins. Tell God that you're sorry for having lived a life independent of him. Ask him for forgiveness for for your pride. And ask him to help you worship him. Friends, today we've, we've learned about a king who should have been humble but was proud. In the New Testament, we find a king who had every right to be proud but was humble. And it's, it's this king's, it's because of this king's humility that you and I can be forgiven for all our pride and all our sin. This king was so humble that he died on a cross so that our pride would no longer condemn us. It is through this king that we can come to know God and praise him. Let me close by reading some verses from Philippians. 
about this wonderful king. Christ Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, it is that death that saves us. It is because of that death that we can know God and be forgiven. It's nothing we've done. So here is reason to be humble. Let's pray. Father, we confess our sin of pride to you. Father, we pray that you would forgive us. And Father, we pray that you'd make us more and more like Jesus, who was so humble. Help us to follow him. If he could live a humble life, um, we should too. Father, thank you for this, this powerful story here of, of how you work um, and change people. Father, we pray that yeah, we would remember that actually the way to, to be truly human is to, is to worship you and to acknowledge you and not to build our own little kingdoms and to take pride in them. So Father, help us to be more like Jesus, to be humble because of who you are and because of what you have done and continue to do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.